0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to day three of the 7 a.m. Novelist of our 50-day writing challenge, first draft edition. I'm Michelle Hoover, and uh, we have our listeners slowly coming on. Um, Yeah, yesterday we had up to 60 people, I think, and so people slowly add on. So hello, everybody. Yesterday we talked about pantsing your novel which is essentially letting yourself just write without too much planning ahead and discovering the book as you go or discovering the project as you go. Um, and today we have novelist Virginia Pye and Anjali Duva who consider themselves plotters. Pancers versus plotters is a continual uh, thing that writers talk about. Um, for those of you um, on the chat, I always have to start the chat, which is a Zoom problem that I don't like, but why don't you tell us on the chat, are you a plant panther? Are you a plotter? Um, are you something in between? Do you have no idea what I'm talking about? And we can talk about that too. Um, and you can also feel free to ask questions in the Q&A and we'll try to get to them if we have time. So first off, we have Anjali Mitra Duva. She's an Indian American writer, editor and dancer who was raised in France. Uh, Anjali, do you speak French? You must.
1: I do, I do, I'm fluent. That's amazing.
0: Um, she is the author of Faint Promise of Rain, and historical novel set in 16th century India and shortlisted for the William saroyan International Prize for Writing. Anjali has been a Massachusetts Cultural Council Artist Fellowship finalist, and she's an instructor at Grub Street. She co-founded the Arlington Author Salon, um, and she also serves as fiction co-editor for Solstice Literary Magazine. And she's a longtime student of Kathak. Am I saying that right, Anjali? It's Kathak. Kathak. Kf- Uh, The classical storytelling dance featured in her books and she's a co-founder and former executive director of a nonprofit organization dedicated to this art form. So Anjali is always just working on something. She's incredible. She has so much energy. Does that help your writing, Anjali?
1: No, does the energy help? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe I'm spending too much of my energy on other things. Um, I mean, so one of the things definitely helped. It actually got me started, which is that um, uh, I mean, I've always enjoyed writing, but I, I I never thought I am going to be a writer. Um, but writing was in my family. My brother's a journalist. My mom's a writer. My grandfather was a poet. So I always knew that it was um, a, a lofty, you know, something to do that would not be looked down upon by my family, um, which I know is something that some people struggle with. So. Uh, anyway, I was doing other things as an urban planner. Uh, and so there's always some planning going mm-hmm. on of some sort. So I was an Perfect. urban planner, uh, infrastructure planner, and one thing led to another. Anyway, I started taking some dance classes in Katak, which is this classical dance from North India. I'm half Indian. So I'd been exposed to it through, um, performances in India. And, uh, I became really fascinated with how, with the history of this dance. Um, and when I decided to help my teacher start a nonprofit so that we, she could do bigger things, not just be, I don't mean just like to diminish it, but she was a, a student, a teacher with her students. She wanted to be able to collaborate with museums and go into schools and do programs, et cetera. So um, I helped her do that and, and a couple of other people helped as well. And we're coming up on our 20th anniversary of that in November. Fantastic. And and then um, we wanted a website, this was 2001, so websites weren't as snazzy as they are now, but we still wanted a site and we wanted to, uh, since I was a decent writer, um, I was asked to do the copy for the, the, the site. And so I started doing a little research into the history of the dance and I got completely fascinated with, you know, how, how it's like this 2000 year old history and mirrors the history of India and all this intricacy. And that gave me the idea actually to write my first two and a third at some point books which are based on this dance form and are set in India different times in India's history so so that was like a very direct um and and that kind of got me going on on writing books so so yeah I feel like it's always good to have other things going on in life because that's where you're sourcing your ideas whether you know it or not.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, my The novel I'm working on now is actually taking a portrait drawing class and I got my idea through that. Yeah. I'm a terrible drawer. I have abs- as absent, I have negative five talent. I, I don't understand how to translate that through my hand, but I got a story idea out of it, so it's fun. Um, I also want to introduce Virginia Pye before we go further. Her story collection, Shelf Life of Happiness, won the 2019 IPPY Gold Medal for short fiction and her first two historical novels set in China Dreams of the Red Phoenix and River of Dust also received literary awards. She's the fiction editor of Penjirus and a board member of the Women's National Book Association, Boston Chapter. She has taught writing at NYU, UPenn, and Grub Street. She's the mother of two grown children who lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts, with her husband and their miniature poodle, Honey. You know, so you call to your poodle. Don't other people think that you're calling to them, Honey? Yeah, which is especially my <laughs> husband. <laughs> yes, and we might hear if we have that confusion later. a lot. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we might. might hear.
2: We from very cutting. well might. Honey <laughs> hasn't decided not to wake up yet this morning, which means Hal may break loose over here any minute, which but is that's okay.
0: Perfect. It happens. Uh, Ginny, you have yeah. a new book coming out soon? I do. I have
2: actually been working on the some of the final edits for it, and it's coming out one year from now in October 2023 from Regal House Publishing, and it's called The Literary Undoing of Victoria Swan, Ooh. and yeah, and it's the story of Victoria Swan, who is a woman dime novelist, uh, an author of romance and adventure novels in the year 1899 here in Boston and Cambridge. And um, the book is really about a writer, a feminist, a woman who takes on the male literary establishment. um, And and it actually starts the whole process of her becoming uh, an activist of sorts starts because she changes her writing style. So it's, it's definitely a book for writers.
0: <laughs> That's great. Um, it's, she that changed her style
2: from writing uh, adventure stories and romances to wanting to tell her own true tale. And so it's it's very much set in that earlier uh, Gilded Age uh, language and time and setting. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And it's definitely for book lovers. Um, Wonderful. It's actually a, a love story to books.
0: Wonderful. That sounds awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's get back to, so Anjali, I have heard that you have quite a plotting process. (laughs) And what I'm seeing in the chat is that we have a lot of pancers. Interesting. um, Or at least those are, well, Judith says she's a panther plotter. Who are these people? (laughs) So that's maybe the plotters aren't speaking in the chat and it's only the pancers. Maybe that's a personality thing too. Anyway, why don't you talk to us about what your plotting, plotting process is, um why you think you're a plotter or if you do if there are drawbacks to that instead of just being a pantser um i'm gonna let you go for it
1: so this is actually coming at a very interesting time for me because i am um, starting my third book uh which is actually not the third i had in mind um i had in mind three books set in india um and i do i started the thir- that third one and then Anyway, I got sidetracked and I had an idea kind of like you in your, in your drawing class. Um, I was sailing in Maine and I got an idea completely different. Contemporary, takes place on Cape Cod. And um, I am actually sort of pantsing this one. And it's, it's scary because I've never really done that, but also it's super exciting. So I'm feeling like, like most things in my life, I may end up being a hybrid on this as well as like pretty much everything else I do and who I am. So So why this one pantsing? Well, I had, there was the first time that an idea came to me and I always admire people. I was like, how do you, how do you just get an idea for a character and then build a book? I don't know how to do that because my first two, uh, because in part, because they're historical fiction and there's already kind of a skeleton to hang it on was um, to me kind of comforting that even though I had to make a lot of stuff up when I was lost, there was a place to go, what's happening at that time or what would have been feasible or not. And, um but that can also be constricting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so that's the drawback. That's the drawback is that when you have the skeleton, whether it's one that you've created or one that you're kind of glomming onto out of some sort of insecurity or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, then there it is. And then you have to grapple with one, well, the case of history, uh, you know, I can't just change this. I can't make this event happen 10 years later because I need my character to be 10 years older. I have to rejigger everything. And that can be um, a lot. Uh,
0: I realized recently I was trying to make a 65 year old woman give birth.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> I
0: was like, yeah, that, shoot. Right. Yep. Shoot. Exactly. <laughs> yep. And then,
1: And then you have this moment. You're like, I have to change all these other things and I have to change this paragraph which is the one paragraph I love from the whole last week of writing you know because so so that to me is the constraint Um, but but you know the plus side for for plotting is for me the sense I like to know where I'm going I've always liked to know where I'm going and for my first two books I had a sense because I was telling the story of of a of an art form and I was doing it through characters fictional characters but there was a place that I was generally going. Um, And I liked that. But now in retrospect, you know, now I'm starting completely differently. I had an idea for a character and a setting. Um, I spent a lot of time on the Cape. So, and I, and I had, and I, and then I had an idea for several other characters. And then I'm like, I, what is the story? How do I do this? Um, Mm -hmm. And so I've had to do, you know, this discovery. Uh, Your last people had, um, we're talking about discovery writer which i like better than pantser pantser makes me feel like you know i, I think of bloomers like people or somebody running around in bloomers i don't know why anyway it's not the right image but um and so now i'm now I'm crossing over to that side and trying to figure out how to do that
0: yeah people seem to have a problem with the term pantsers. i remember with my second novel bottomland my my agent who is english didn't like it because he thought it sounded like um, a bunch of Americans with big bottoms. So it's the same <laughs> oh. sort of problem. I'm like, that's not what bottom men means, but I like it. I Maybe that'll help that. sell the book. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cute. Um, Ginny, how about you? Yeah. What's your plotting process? How do you well, define it? Well... I
2: I think this, I I think all writing is hybrid writing. (laughs) We bring anything we can to this process. And so even if you have a plan and all of that, for me, what's most important is actually to like abandon the plan when needed. And um, so, but but what I've done over the years and I've written a lot of novels that, um, you know, now four will have come to fruition to finally have a publisher, but I've actually written like, I don't know, 10 11 I don't know somewhere like that it's crazy and I've gone back and and reshaped ones from the past and um currently I'm working on one that was originally set in the 1990s and now it's set Mm -hmm. in 2020 Mm -hmm. so but in each case I've ended up um using sweet little three by five cards Mm -hmm. so I'm going to get practical here um what I do is Um, you know, I start to have ideas and I start to get a sense of place a lot of times and have a central character and a central struggle. Like I just described that one for my character, Victoria Swan, she wants to change her, her type of writing, but really it means she's changing who she is. She's changing her whole life. And then that affects all these people around her. So I start um, using these three by five cards to, to start to outline the shape of that odyssey. And it's pretty conventional in the sense that it's gonna be either a central character or a group of characters. My two novels um, that are historical novels set in China, each have um, four point of view characters. And so, and they are interwoven to tell the whole story. And two of them are the main characters, two are slightly lesser characters. And in those cases, I ended up using um, different colored three by five cards. So each character would have its own color very low tech way of doing this i take a, a, a piece of string a piece of yarn and or like garden you know yarn that i use in to tie up the plants in the garden and i string it on my bookshelf and oftentimes what i can figure out or first i lay it out on the floor and i start to put see the shape of where each of these characters is going and i don't have it all at once it's not like i sit down and plot the whole thing before but at a certain stage near the beginning of writing, usually when I'm working on one of the first two chapters, it starts to unfold in my mind. Mm. And then I do start to lay it out on these three by five cards that I literally hang with scotch tape on the string on my bookshelf. <laughs> and and I, I, I actually often have them in, in the book in three parts or four parts. So one string is for part one, second string is part two, second part three, blah, blah, blah. And at, at it starts to take shape like this. And then in the actual act of writing, I'll go to a chapter. Um, I'll, you know, I know that it's this point of view characters chapter. I'll start to write it. And then I realize, oh, no, wait a minute. Hey, She's not going to do that. She's going to do this. No, it doesn't involve that. It it. So I take down the three by five card and I rewrite it. And it does have this ripple effect on the later ones but I'm never hemmed in by what I've conceived of Mm. um, ahead of time and, you know, have to strictly adhere to or anything like that. But I do have this overall shape. And I, and I think it's just from having intuited from reading so many novels and now writing quite a few that I know the shape a novel is supposed to take in my mind and my novels, you know, everyone's, they're not, everyone's different, but some people have a different, sense of what they want their novels to look like that is not the norm anyway the point is I know how a part uh, as in part one part two part three should end I know I have the feeling of how that should go I have a feeling of what should happen in chapters and so there's a whole lot of intuitiveness that goes into this and yet it's also a lot of planning and so I don't want people to think that so-called plotters are you know very strict people who don't let their imaginations take off. My imagination takes off like crazy through this whole process. I just have ways of trying to keep track of it by writing this stuff down in a very concrete way. And um, I'm amazed by some people, and I think Anjali is one of them, who do all of this uh, using, I've gathered spreadsheets and... Mm -hmm. I, i'm in a, in a Actually, slack group with some women who do just incredible techni- technologically advanced ways of doing oh. this and i just love my old-fashioned string and three by five cards so, so i, I, I highly to, recommend it
1: <laughs> i have to say no i love the string too my first book was all on uh, three by four cards mm-hmm. um because i started that, it so long cool. ago um yep. and uh so I, I do love that idea. Um, I have to say that part of it is um, I don't have an office in my house. Like I have my laptop on my dining room table and I kind of travel around. I now have an office because my older child just went to college, but it's still her room with like her stuff. Um, you so have a room I, of your own. I have a room of semi my own. Um, oh. And so uh, so I have had to have everything in a way that I can bundle it up and put it away. So that's mostly on my laptop. But yes, I do use my spreadsheet and I apparently am growing a reputation around the spreadsheet, Uh, but I use it not in a so much quantitative way um, because obviously there's words on there, but I use colors a lot. I make it a visual representation. So I think that there's also this notion of plotting after you have the first draft, right? You don't have to do the plotting at the beginning. You can do your discovery exploration in however you do, and you can come up with your messy, shitty first draft, and then you can go back and say, "What is going on in here?" Um, and that's where I think the spreadsheet is really useful because I, I can take themes, uh, you know, I have I list out my themes, my characters, all every single scene, um, and then um, I write a few words in each each box, but then I color them so like. A, like, like Ginny, you said, you know each character has a color, each theme kind of has a color. I do warm colors, cool colors for different things. Anyway, then you can um, zoom out, like literally zoom out until I can't see the words anymore. I just see the colors. And I can see as the scenes go by, is there a gap? is has it been all red here and then there's no red and then like 20 scenes later yeah. this red again like there's a problem i have either lost track of a character or lost track of a theme or a plot line or whatever however you really want to do it. and i think that that's a way to take a 400 page novel you know instead of just sitting there with your stack of papers and visually see where are the areas that i need to really work on and then then i zoom back in um So
0: that's excellent because I think so many writers are also highly visual people as Mm -hmm. much as they are people who are, um, good with language. And so Mm -hmm. I always, and, and so the sort of thing you're talking about is what they call it like a reverse outline. Yeah. And you will actually have some agents and editors that will ask you to do that. And it doesn't mean you're writing an outline that starts at the end. It means you're actually outlining it after you have your first draft because it helps you to revise it. And, um, I always encourage writers to somehow Mm -hmm. make it visual or at least make it different from the narrative form that they are working in because Mm -hmm. otherwise they they need to make it um, unfamiliar to them because otherwise they are way too familiar with what they've already got and they won't be able to see problems just like you wouldn't have seen the Mm -hmm. gap in the red. um, Mm -hmm. That works wonderfully. Um, Mm -hmm. Are there specific, um, like Ginny, go ahead. Did you have something yeah. you wanted to add to that? No, no, I I'm just trying to think about whether
2: I outline. I mean, I think I do make a shape to the book before I write the first draft. Like I think I'm muddling through in that first draft and literally adding cards as I go or where I see something is needed, I um, it's, I don't know. It's such an intuitive process at this point, but but I do like I like um I do like writing down and on these cards, by the way, it's not just action. It's not just plot that's written down. It can also be key things having to do with the characters. Um, some internal change that's taking place or something that I know needs to happen, you know, something yeah. that that I, is, is just a language to myself that is helps me understand what's gotta happen here um, internally to a character. Um, or or yeah, a relation really or relationship, um, something like that. It's I mean you know just I, I I think the whole thing about plotting though is to just not not get too bogged down. <clears throat> excuse me in that process and to remember that the writing's what matters and then to just use it like as a crutch or as a like sort of a buttress to kind of help hold up whatever like the, you know the first draft is is this very rickety structure and you know, you're you're trying to just help it along any way you can by trying to organize it. And I don't know, sometimes I'll print out what I've written and put it out by chapter on the floor and then move the chapters around. I do that a lot and sort of like, oh, okay, well, what if blah, blah, blah happened over here? And this, you know, and particularly if you have um, novels that are written in more than one point of view, um, that that can be very good to see visually what it means to have you know their sections maybe you don't always alternate their two voices or four voices or however you want to do it um anyway just it's it's always a sort of playing um and you know i i I feel like this there's something that applies to this process to, to thinking about plotting that also applies to research which in my mind is people can get really, really lost in research and can just disappear into only researching the world or the details that they're trying to throw into their novel. And they're forgetting that the key thing is the writing of the scenes and the writing of the characters. Um, And, you know, and so we're just using these other, um, what do you call them? I don't even know what we're calling plotting, but we're using these other apparatuses, you know, apparati to, to just help help us stay a little bit clearer on our heads as we're doing this kind of crazy creative thing where you're it's mostly your heads just in the story Does that and make I love any sense? I love
0: yeah I love yeah. cards or um, pieces of paper something that's really yeah. quite physical yeah. um, and um, again and Angela, you can talk about this too. You do yeah. a spreadsheet. I sometimes do encourage students to move away from the spreadsheet because the spreadsheet is so right there. It, it is. And and so I'd be like, cut apart the spreadsheet so you can kind of physically you can also do, move it around.
1: You, so you could do kind of a hybrid thing, of, of course, which yes. is um, you can have a uh, one card or sheet or physical thing per scene, which is what mm-hmm. I've done too. I've also sometimes done that's, after I have a draft, but, and I, I write down and I can use colors on this, but it's a little bigger than just the card. Uh, and it's each scene, not, not each chapter, but like each scene. Uh, that's a whole other conversation, what's the scene. But um, I make sure that I, I can answer certain questions for each one, like, how does this scene follow from the previous one, right? The yeah. other one happened and therefore this, or the other one happened, but this. I mean, that's kind of the two main, mm-hmm. um, so, and then, um, the second, you know, then I'm like, what is the, what do all the characters want as they're coming into the scene? Every character, even if they're minor, and then, you know, do I have clarity on that? And then, what is, what is the turning point? What is the point at which things are not the same as before? Um, but do
2: you chart that out? Uh, I, I just write. I chart it out
1: afterwards.
2: Yeah. Okay. Because you yeah. don't write it. Like, okay, that's interesting. I, I, I. What I. One thing I love is is when I finish writing. um a chapter or I'm in the midst of writing a chapter and then I get to look and see what's the next chapter coming mm-hmm. and I, I finish right I finish writing for a day and then I look and I you've got this thing that's a road map ahead and I look just at the chapter that's coming up the next one mm-hmm. and then I get to think about it all day and night and when I'm in the shower and my brain is kind of working on what's coming next
0: mm-hmm. and
2: that way when I sit down to the blank page for the next chapter I, I don't only at that moment start to think about it, but I've been looking ahead oh, yeah, and thought, yeah. thinking ahead, and I love that because then you're sort of like I, I, you hit the ground running. Yeah. Like I've already got it in my head where we're starting this scene. What's even what's the first sentence? Who's etc.
1: Yeah, so I do, it's, I, it's
2: very helpful. Yeah. I do
1: something similar like that in Scrivener. You know, I throw all my ideas in Scrivener, everything. Mm-hmm. As I and so there's a gazillion little files, and I have one that's they're all under the research, or they're all under chapters, or their scenes. Is I have like little bits you know I have a phrase I have words sometimes I think of words I want to use it's all in Scrivener and then little by little I start organizing you know I'll be like uh, here's a scene that's going to take place at the beach and this thing needs to happen and then I might not get to it till like next year but um, but as I as I start organizing them I number them and it becomes it just becomes more and more focused, right It goes from voila to like a little more focused. But the nice thing about Scrivener is that you can move everything around you can do a search um, and you can have a gazillion you know what would be stacks and stacks of cards can actually fit in you know, on your laptop. So I love Scrivener for that.
0: And mm-hmm. so Eloise Barrow is asking what do the colors represent is red conflict or is another color red, red oh. Conflict? I normally have students, I normally have students try to think about like, what are your top 10 arcs? And those can be character arcs in terms of character growth, uh, relationship arcs in terms of relationship between characters. It could be thematic arcs, question arcs. Um, There are different kinds of arcs that you can have, but what are the most, and and actually any book will have thousands of arcs. So what are the most important ones for you to concentrate on, to develop, and and it might be different with each draft, Um, but each color can kind of be something, a a character or a theme or something different. How do you do that, Anjali?
1: How do I do that? Um, So I find that certain themes tend to be linked fairly closely to certain characters. Mm. So um, like I had in my last book, I had two main characters and so I decided the thing, the kind of the things, the themes and plot lines relating to that character were going to be warm colors, and the ones relating to the other character were going to be cool colors. And then within that, I had specific things, you know, belonging and whatever these lofty things. And so then I picked specific colors, blues and purples and greens or whatever. Uh, luckily, you can have a bazillion different shades. Um, and so that way. Uh, and I found that it, that worked out pretty well. There were a couple of themes that related to both, but then like I used purple, uh, you know, as a mix. So maybe that was getting a little too technical, but that, it worked for me. Um, and that way I could really see, oh, wow, like this, this whole section is super focused on Malika and we're missing Etienne. Etienne's kind of influence. And so I tended to do that. Somebody asked me in the chat, you know, and each scene, I do have a little description of the, what goes on in the scene because I can't remember offhand uh because
0: there's
1: like 80 of them or something mm-hmm. more so um so yeah that's that, that's how
0: I do it so there's so Lisa Krohn's um if I'm saying that correctly mm-hmm. it might actually be Cron's story genius also she actually has in that book an example of cards or or of a page that you can use to analyze a scene and, and there's like four quadrants in there um and so I, I do that recommend a that hard book. To navigate I will say ah yeah. Um, and, and yet I have all sorts of students who always like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? So um, and then also we're going to talk tomorrow with Jane Roper, author of the Society of Shame, and I'm going to bring in Robert Olin Butler. Um, and yep. he does cards. And one of the things on his cards that he includes is um, uh, the sensory image which I thought was interesting mm-hmm. because what I think it does is if you're forced to name, what is the primary sensory image of the scene? And it might be like, like the smell of burnt toast mm-hmm. or the sound of footsteps yeah. or a tree, the shade of a tree overhanging overhead, but it really forces you to get out of the intellectual, get out of the abstract and forces you into the world of the scene. Um, so I think that can also be very helpful. If you find that when you're doing these kind of cards, you're, you're, you're kind of going over the top of your scenes Mm. you're not really getting into the meat of the reality of the scene and the senses of the scene i think that can be really helpful i was just thinking Um,
1: today about um i I want each character to have a smell so (laughs) anyway
0: oh yes well you're also
1: important smell is often overlooked
0: (laughs) yes yes and you i've I've seen you in the past you're very big into the sensory images (laughs) yeah which i which i think is very important what does flaubert say? he says um Flaubert says that you should try to hit at least three, No, he's dead, but he says you should yeah. try to hit at least three senses right? per scene or yeah. Every, yeah, every, every page. Yeah. Every page I
1: think it
2: is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah one um, of the strongest memories of Madame Bovary is the smell of that mud and all of it. Yeah. No, yeah. it's no question.
0: Well, excellent. So we're going to go, Oh, go ahead. Jenny, did you want to add to that? No, not really. I mean, I just think this is
2: fascinating because I, um, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't use as many uh, of, of these methods that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I, I have, a. I don't know. I, I, I like leaving a lot of this to my, my brain and not writing down all the things Anjali that you mm-hmm. write down. Um, I don't know. I, have, I guess I have a a, a a weird sense that maybe my brain will hold on to it, but that's probably changing with the years. <laughs> um, so Um, But maybe it just leaves an imprint in your brain without too much. I mean, I I like just coming to the page with my head kind of having, have all this stuff in there ready to go. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't take much to prompt it. So that's wonderful. That's wonderful. But I think the thing is... is
0: I have so many students who think that they have to follow a certain process Mm -hmm. and it's just not true um, because that can block a lot of people. You really have to figure out what works for you. Keep exploring. Um, If you're really stuck, maybe try something different Um, and trust trust yourself.
1: Dancing thing now. So
0: (laughs) yeah.
2: Trust yourself is the main thing. Like and enjoy it. Enjoy it. You know, if it's if there's any part of it that's becoming like a chore, Mm-hmm. then that's not, it's it's not working in your favor because you've gotta, I think you've gotta have a certain amount of joy coming at novel writing because it's such a huge task. It's, yeah. um, I mean, it's like marathon running in the sense that it's arduous, like when you're in the midst of it but there's some part of you that loves the whole thing. And so you kinda gotta just keep coming at it um, fig- and figuring out whatever method works best for you um, and 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 respect that about yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not everybody. I, in fact, I tried Scrivener with this most recent book. Like I was geared up. I was like, okay, like, here everybody's we go. I'm gonna doing do it. it. I'm gonna do it. And I found that it slowed me down because obviously I'm newer to it and all of that. And also I didn't like the idea of being at my computer that much. And yeah. I get thoughts and ideas and I just jot them down or I throw them on a three by five card. And I like visually seeing them in the room with me, etc. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to just be looking
0: at the screen again. So yeah anyway I, I that's guess, uh, you know
2: everybody's different it's all
0: and allow yourself to keep discovering though and really keep open to yeah. that and even I do have you have a you writing
2: journal that. too where
1: I do I, I do jot down some ideas uh in a little red journal so
0: oh I definitely yes.
2: have that and, and in fact I have what I used to think of as a personal journal you know a diary and it actually turns out it's entirely about characters and about <laughs> whatever novel I'm working on and my poor family my husband my, <laughs> you know you got a new dog none of it gets mentioned in there anymore it's like I've got very little interest in recording any of that stuff it's 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 all about <laughs> it's all about the characters who who end up sounding like they are my family which they are for that period mm-hmm. of time when you're working on
0: the book yeah so yeah Absolutely, wonderful. Okay, everybody, we are gonna um, keep sinking our teeth into a lot more about plotting and a lot of other ways to think about this over the next 50 days. So I hope you join us for that. Um, Again, tomorrow we have Jane Roper, author of Society of Shame, and she's going to talk about something in between. Um, and I think we've all been kind of talking about that, being able to use both of these things and how to move back and forth between them. Because right. I also think we have two sides of our brain cool. and there's some days one side of your brain shows up and some days the other side shows up. Um, and it's and it can be very hard to toggle in between them. It's almost impossible actually. Um, but I want to thank our guests, Jenny Pai yeah. and uh, Anjali and Duva. Um, Uh, I couldn't do this without the guests. They give their time for free for this. We're doing this all for free, um, just to try to help uh, writers out there and help the community of writers. You can find the full daily schedule at 7amnovelist.substack.com. You can also follow the the podcast on Substack or on Apple, Spotify, all those fancy uh, venues, okay? So thank you very much, everyone. I really hope you have a fantastic writing day. I hope you're sitting at your desk and you're ready to get going. So here we go. Thanks so much. Thank you, Michelle. Bye, all. Bye, Bye. Michelle. Have you Thanks.
1: found what you lost? Have you lost what you found? Do you really understand how you sift for a love in the sand? Like a leaf inside the wind. And you go where it tells you to go. But you never wonder why there
2: isn't nothing here at all.